0: And so we're busy actually going through the spiritual disciplines, and we've looked at prayer. We've looked at uh, um, the, the various various disciplines. Help me out. What, what have we looked at? Um, I'm supposed to know this. Uh, we've we've looked at giving, the spiritual discipline of giving of service. We've looked at prayer, and this this morning we are going to look at a very uh, sort of a lesser known spiritual discipline. And it's called the, the Discipline of Secrecy. Now, as an, as an introduction, I want to ask you if you can recognize the following themes in a Disney movie. All right, I'm not sure who are Disney fans, but, but here it goes. So you've got a very strong-willed person, all right, usually a girl. And she is, she's got a mind of her own, and she's, like I said, strong-willed. But there's just this social expectation. People expect her to behave in a particular way. And, um, and, and this is what we, we ask of you. But then what does she do? She stays true to herself or he, stray, he stays true to himself and defies the social expectation that, that exists. And, and then eventually he or she saves the day. Does that sound familiar at all? Now that is not just on Disney. It is everywhere whether it's Elsa, whether it's Mulan, whether it is the Little Mermaid. I mean I just mentioned my favorites, I'm sure there are more. The the fact of the matter is that the, the theme is society expects something of you and your job is to assert yourself in the face of it. And this is everywhere and this is the culture of self-assertion. And if you you don't even have to look very hard you will find it everywhere. And sort of the tagline or the catchphrases of this broader culture is always stay true to yourself. You've heard that, right? It's almost indisputable. You are not allowed, you, nobody can question that, stay true to yourself. Or it doesn't matter what others think of you. Have you heard that? It is, we've, we've gotten rid of everything, but these are the last remaining virtues, I would say, in our, in our society. One of my friends, he's a pastor friend of quite a conservative church, and his, his daughters, young primary school girls, they're also actually quite conservative, you know, but they went to the shop and she came back with a shirt that says, why don't you do you and I do me? And, and this guy was like, okay, let's quickly sit down and have a conversation about this shirt. And what do you mean by that? And she's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just like the shirt. Okay, but what are you trying to communicate with this you do you and I do me? How am I as a father supposed to relate to that shirt of yours? And, um, and she said, well, I guess you do you and I do me. That didn't work that well. But the, the point is, is that this is the culture of self-assertion and it's everywhere. Can you guys at least recognize it in, in, in various places? Now, here's my question. How is that going for us? How are we doing with this, you do you, I do me, Don't, doesn't matter who, what, that, what anybody thinks of you, how is that going for us as a culture? Let's, let's do a little um, honesty second for a second. So let me give you an example that I think illustrates that it's not going that well. Currently on YouTube, there are more than 12,000 tutorials on how to take the perfect selfie. There are more than 12,000 tutorials on YouTube, the last time I counted on, I, I mean, one of them is mine, you must please subscribe to my channel, but the, of, of how to take the perfect selfie. How many, how many tutorials do you think there are of how to die to your imperfect selfie on YouTube? Okay, none. All right. So we're not doing well. Why, Why do we want to th- these uh, tutorials on, on how to take the perfect selfie? Because it matters very much what other people think of us. Every time, and I, I mean, I sort of just missed this, but, but I, I think the, the, the kids growing up today, they're really in for it. But it's, it's, it's everybody's problem. You get a little dopamine rush every time somebody likes a post of yours. All right? And it becomes very competitive. You start comparing likes with other people. You start comparing photos with other people. And social media is just half of the problem. This, this game of comparing ourselves, this game of, of constantly asking the question, what will, will they think of this, what will they think of that, is all of ours' problem. And here's the thing. I think we need to be honest about it. And because I'm brave and vulnerable... I'm going to start off by saying, my name is Yuan and I am an approval addict. Your job is to say hi Yuan, thank you, there we go, we're getting there. If we're honest with ourselves, we realize that we are all approval addicts, some of us more than others, but there's something in us that doesn't feel validated and that must constantly be validated externally. doesn't matter how many Disney movies you watch, this remains. Sally Field. Do you guys know the actress Sally Field? She's slightly older. Mom, you're supposed to know Sally Field. Um, and anybody else, I guess. And she won two Oscars. And a while ago, she, she did a speech. Um, <laughs> and you can YouTube this if you want. And... Uh, she, she the, her acceptance speech for a second oscar was a little bit crazy but she just went on and said you like me you really like me you like me you really like me and um i, I, I guess there's there's something in us when we get approval then we go like we go on like sally field saying that same line you like me you really really like me This is what Henry Nowen says. Henry Nowen, he was a Dutch uh, Catholic priest. He says the following. He says, at issue here is the question, to whom do I belong, to God or to the world? Many of my daily preoccupations suggest that I belong more to the world than to God. A little criticism makes me angry, and a little rejection makes me depressed. A little praise raises my spirits, and a little success excites me. Often I'm like a boat on the ocean, completely at the mercy of its waves. Can you guys relate to that? He goes on, he says, who am I? I am the one who is liked, praised, admired, disliked, hated, or despised. Whether I'm a pianist or a businessman, what matters most is how I am perceived by my world." If you pay attention to your language that you use on a daily basis, you will notice how we are constantly trying to manage our, our image. For example, when I was at high school, I would... It, it, it actually didn't matter what, did, what, what happened before the test. If somebody asked me, are you ready for this test? Then I always said, oh, I, I didn't study at all. Like, I, I didn't study at all, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Mostly that was true. But there was another reason why I said it. It didn't matter how much, how hard I studied. It is because if I do badly, I don't want them to think I'm an idiot. So I just cover the basis. Or better yet, if I do well, they're going to think I'm a genius. Right? So, so that's why I always thought, oh, I didn't study, I didn't study. Oh, 80%, oh, I mean, how did that happen? I didn't even study. Why? Because I want you guys to give me approval. Oh, 50%, oh, well, I mean, that makes sense. I, I didn't study. I really didn't study. Trust me, I didn't study. Right? We're trying to manage our approval. I haven't done that in a while, I promise. But you know what I've done a couple of times, and probably from this pulpit, if you want to call this a pulpit, what I've done a couple of times is I would say, I would start a phrase by saying, I don't watch much series, but the other day I saw this episode. <laughs> and, uh, and then I want to share, because I, I think it's a nice sermon illustration. I, the other day I, I saw this, and it reminded me of that and that and that. Why do I have to preface, why do I feel like the need to preface that sentence with, I don't watch much, much series? It doesn't add to the conversation at all, because I don't want you guys to think that I watch and binge series on weekends when you guys pay me the big bucks. And I'm, I'm so worried about it. So I'm, look, I don't watch much series, but the other day, after an hour of prayer and two hours of Bible reading, um, I watched half an episode, and I saw this that might be relevant to that. Why do I feel the need to say that? Because I want to manage my impression. I want to manage my profile, what you guys think of me can you guys relate to it? All right, my name is Yuan, and I'm an approval addict. So because of this, because of this managing the perception of ourselves, people, I think it's psychologists, they've they've coined a term called imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is this, this thing where people at work or wherever, they feel what people think of them is incongruent with who they are. And then when they, when they look at themselves in a particular space where they are maybe putting on, they don't even recognize themselves. And there is this nagging feeling the whole time that somebody's going to catch me out. <laughs> somebody's going to figure out that I, I actually don't know what I'm talking about. Somebody's going to find out that, that I'm, I don't pray as much as I want you guys to pray. Somebody's going to catch me out being an imposter. And this happens all over the place, this, this imposter syndrome. Alright. I want to make one more comment before we go over to some scripture passages. As humans we've got two great needs. Now we've got we've got many needs, but for the purposes of this conversation, we've got two great needs. The one is to be accepted and the other one is to be known. But it works a little bit on a scale. Why do I say that? Because if you are very high on being accepted but not very high on, on being known, then it feels like an illusion. It feels like you are deceiving people, right? You, you, you feel like an imposter. You are being accepted by your peers or by society or whatever. You're saying the right things or wearing the right something, but you don't feel like you are known. Other people are very high on known, but very low on accepted. You know what that's called? Rejection. It's called Rejection. If people know you, and they, don't and they don't accept you, we call it rejection. And rejection is probably our biggest fear as humans. We cannot stand it. And that is why we would rather opt for another category called isolation. Because if you are isolating yourself, then you, want, you, you, you cannot be known, and you cannot be accepted, but at least you are in control. Does that make sense? So when I hide myself from other people, either by way of acceptance, either by way of allowing myself to be known, then at least I am, I am safe, even if I am isolated. So these are our, our, biggest, our biggest needs, to be accepted and to be known. And we're going to get back to that in a, in a while. What I want to say in the meantime is that it's so ironic that in our be-yourself culture, we've got this whole theme of virtue signaling that's taking over, Right trying our best to just manage the expectation of society trying our best to show look I'm I'm really I'm not racist I'm not homophobic I'm I'm uh, I'm not this carnival I'm good for the environment I buy my coffee uh, free you know free trade Do, doing our best to manage all of these things to just show that we are we are good virtuous people we are managing our image constantly It's so ironic that this is happening at the same time that we are preaching continuously, be yourself, be true to yourself, etc., etc., etc. So what's the antidote? Well, the antidote is the spiritual discipline of secrecy. And it is something that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, not on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount is, you know how presidents every now and then, they give the state of the nation address. Now, this is Jesus' the state of the universe address. And he says the following. He says this in Matthew 6 from verse 1. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. The practice of secrecy. That's the one bit. He says this three times. We go on, verse 5. And when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, and they, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And then we go over to verse uh, 16, and it says, and when you fast, Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What is this on about, and what what does it tell us about our society today? We can't much relate to the fasting, perhaps, or to the, um, the giving, definitely. Maybe the prayer, we cannot much relate to. But remember, that culture was super religious, and the way in which you operated and the, the way in which society measured you was in the measure that you, were, you, you showed your virtue in, ty- in terms of prayer, in terms of uh, fasting, etc., you know what's a what's a good way of replacing this to understand our, our current culture? What is considered one of the biggest virtues? To be busy. So how do I respond when somebody asks me, how are you doing? I'm, no, I'm busy, thank you, busy. W- why? I just want you to think that I'm busy because again, you're going to think I'm going to watch series. That's why I also have to say um, I don't watch much series, But I, because I'm so paranoid that you guys don't think that I'm busy, that I'm not doing something with my life, so I have to manage the expectation again. And Jesus says, you're always going to be in bondage. You're always going to be an approval addict. So I have advice for you. Stop this mindless game and do your life For an audience of one. Inasmuch as you are looking for approval, do it to seek approval, because approval you will want. But do it for an audience of one. Seek your approval from God. That sounds a little bit uh, abstract. The fact of the matter is, friends, that we cannot, we need approval. Approval. All right, we are approval-seeking creatures. When I fetch Loki from from the crash, then when I walk in there, there are a bunch of kids and they all they all run to me. Loki's dad, Loki's dad, look, look, and then they do they do a trick. Usually, the older kids, Loki's dad, Loki's dad, look, 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 and then and then one of the kids that's younger doesn't have a trick, but they also Loki's dad, look at that, look. And then they just strike a pose. Oh wow, that's a nice pose because he cannot you know, be upside down or do a trick, and whatever. but but, lucky that, look. I've even heard a dad say, I am looking as fast as I can, you know, just, just, just give me a second, because that's constantly being said, look, look, look. To seek affirmation is not necessarily a problem. The question is where? Where do you get your affirmation from? In John 12, verse 43, there's a tragic line. It goes like this, for they loved the praises of man more than the praises of God. They loved the praises of man more than the praises of God. That's us. At various moments in the day, we do things, we even go against our own convictions, but just so that we can get the praises of man rather than standing in front of God, rather than standing in front of this... Uh, this, this uh, this audience of one. The bad news is that your need for approval is almost inexhaustible. The good news is that, that God has an insatiable supply of, of approval. So, so here's the question, how do we reorientate ourselves so that we can focus on God's approval rather than man's approval? Now, this is, this is difficult, I admit, but it is possible, and I can, I'm gonna try and illustrate why it is possible. Um, in, when we had a, a previous venue in Magnolia Dull, you guys know where the park is, all sorts of interesting characters would pitch up at our door, mostly sort of homeless people. And there was one um, homeless girl, this Afrikaans uh, girl who, who came in there with a massive spider wound, you know, which was really a cool party trick. We just lifted up, and then everybody would scramble and don't really know what to do, and just throw cash at her and, and whatever. And so I said, uh, Geraldine, I'll take you to the hospital." And, and we we started to form a bit of a. Um, uh, we, as a church, we, we tried to, you know, walk a path with her, and Lorraine would help her on on occasion, and I would help her on occasion, but soon we would realize that that she would sort of turn us against each other because that's often how these things work because they will say, yeah, you are not like Lorraine because she doesn't speak nicely to me. You you speak nicely to me, Johan, but she doesn't speak nicely to me. And then she'll say the same version to Lorraine because she says, "Now I like you better. Like when you give me money, it's nicer um, because Johan, he does this or, this or that. So at one point she's talking to me and she just says, um but I mean, we, we, we're seeing right through her. I mean, this is now very obvious. She would say, Yuan, yeah, I, I don't think she deserves you. And, you know, you're really an attractive guy. And she would just give me praise on praise. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I, like, uh, look, I'm, I'm all for a compliment every now and then. But the point is, because I knew exactly where she was coming from, because I knew exactly her praises didn't mean anything to me, okay? Her praises, you knew that it was just a party trick, right? Although there were lots of praises coming. And every now and then I tried to use it with Lorraine. said, you know that you've got competition out there. Um, And, um, you know, you don't like it when I don't clean the dishes. But Geraldine told me that I am way out of your league and and whatever. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this is, is for the following purposes. somebody's approval only means something to us as soon as we validate it. There are people who can tell you all sorts of things, and it's not going to mean anything to you. So that shows me that we do have some control over whose approval we recognize and whose approval we do not recognize. Does that make sense? We do have a a measure of control over it. So I think it is possible for us to reorientate ourselves somewhat. And ultimately, we only must want one person's approval, and that is God, the one who sees in secret. Friends, I cannot, I cannot try and land this message without referring to another passage and another concept that is very important. And I want to say, and I, and I don't say this lightly, this literally changed my life. And it comes from 1 Corinthians 4 from verse 3, it goes as follows, it says, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. First Corinthians 4, verse 3 to 4. What Paul is saying there sounds like it is straight up what is contemporary culture. It says, I don't care what you guys think of me. Nobody can, nobody can judge me. I don't care what you guys think of me. And that sounds very much like every other Disney movie, right? I, I don't care what other people think of me. But then Paul goes on and he says, As a matter of fact, I don't even care what I think of me. That sounds weird. He goes on and he says, I don't care what you guys think of me. And then he says, as a matter of fact... I don't even care what I think of me. I only care about what God thinks of me. And in those words lies so much freedom, friends. C.S. Lewis reflected on this, and he said, the object of life is not to think more of yourself. It's not to think less of yourself. It's to think of yourself less. You know, everything in our culture is about self-esteem, right? No, you need to think more of yourself. Or no, you've got a massive hubris. You need to think less of yourself. No, no, those categories are wrong. Think of yourself less. And at the other end of that spiritual practice, friends, lies so much freedom. Our egos are ridiculously sensitive. It it might be the most sensitive aspect of our whole lives. You You know why I say that? I didn't come in here this morning and tell you, by the way, guys, my fingers are feeling great. My elbow, elbow is just perfect. Why, am I, why, don't I, why don't I say that? Because the only time an aspect of my body draws attention to itself is when it's hurt, right? So when your pinky is it? you don't think of your pinky. Who of you are thinking of their pinky right now? Okay, you are thinking of your pinky right now. But five minutes ago, nobody was thinking about, how's my pinky doing? You know, the only time we think of these things is when it draws attention to itself when it's hurt. Are you with me? Right? But why am I always thinking of, yes, that criticism was really unfair, or that person really looked at me in a problematic way, or that person is very judgy, or yes, I'm very underdressed in this situation. Why am I constantly thinking those things? Why why is my ego drawing attention to itself? Because it's super frail And super fragile And the slightest criticism The slightest word And I'm broken Why? Because it's broken Our ego is broken We are constantly thinking of ourselves And that's why we cannot handle any criticism That's why we cannot handle um, the, uh, the, The slightest feedback Because it hurts so much Can you guys identify with this? Now what is the world's solution? What is the society's solution? No, man, it doesn't matter what other people think of you. It's what you think of yourself. You know the truth. Nah, that's not going to work. I've tried it. it. It doesn't work. Paul says he's tried it. It doesn't work. Don't worry what other people think of you. Don't even worry what you think of yourself. Just worry what God thinks of you. And then the remedy would be this self-forgetfulness. So in other words, if people then give you criticism, you'll say, oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's something I can work on. That'll make me better. Thank you for that. Or somebody gives you criticism. Ah, you know, I thought about it. I don't think it applies. I'll think about it some more, but I, I don't think that's something I struggle with. And you will be able to just go through life and it'll be water off your back. Why? Because ultimately you only care about what God thinks of you. An audience of one. Does that make sense? I want to close off with a couple of practices, friends, because this, is, this, this cannot just be abstract. We need to implement this in our lives. So, a couple of practices. How do we practice the, this discipline of secrecy? i want to challenge you guys to pray for someone this week and really pray for them profusely and don't tell anybody about it. Like, really spend lots of time in prayer. Put this person, even if it's somebody, person you might like, person you don't like, whatever, don't tell that person you're praying for them, don't tell anybody you're praying for them. You will just be praying for the sake of praying, and Jesus says that will be your reward. What else? When you give, try and give unanimously. Don't Don't tell anybody. There's a lot of power that sometimes comes with giving, right? I am the wonderful benefactor. Give unanimously. Not not unanimously. uh, Anonymously. Did I say unanimously the first time? But give unanimously as well everything you have. (laughs) Um, No, anonymously. Give anonymously. Um, What about something else that, that I'm convicted about is this. Read something in Scripture. Even, even try and memorize it or, or listen to a sermon that meant a lot, that sort of uh, uh, that, that opened up to you and don't tell anybody about it. <laughs> so, so, so when I discover something, I just immediately want to share it. And I think a, a part of it is good. A part of me wanting to share it with other people is because um, I'm excited and I want to draw other people into that excitement. Another part of it is, Look how smart I am. Look at what I've learned. Stand in awe of my knowledge of Scripture or of theology or or something. Read something, memorize something, and don't tell anyone about it. This is not a law, friends. So we, we have to tell each other sometimes something. Otherwise, it's going to be a very sucky community. But it's a practice that we are practicing so that we can unmask certain things in our life, so that we can practice uh, the, the discipline of secrecy. Um, Philip and Caroline, they are in my cell, and I reflected on this this weekend. I thought, when we go to cell, we always have to share, so what's been good in your week, what's been bad in your week? And sometimes I have this need to go through my week, okay, what has been amazing? So that I can you know, impress these people, like... Um, uh, because I want approval, I need sort of a bit of validation. So uh, I got awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking for something to, to get approval. But what if, if you have that opportunity again, you just say, you know what, it's going so well with my my brother's health, and I'm so excited. He struggled. And it's going better, and I'm very excited about that. So, in other words, you don't, you're not looking for approval. You're just sharing good news about something that, that is supposed to mean something to you. It's a practice. Now, here's the problem: <laughs> if we, if we uh, say you want, yeah, let's practice this discipline of secrecy, then you can, because of sin, become this very mysterious guy. You know. And, ah, Johan, you know, he does amazing things, but he never tells anyone. He's just so mysterious. That's not the point, okay? This is what C.S. Lewis says. He says, a humble person, if you really encounter a truly humble person, you will not know that person is humble. They will not draw attention to their humility. You will remember of that conversation, I had a great chat. Yeah, we were just talking, and this person was really interested in me, and we were just talking. You will not walk away from that conversation thinking, that person is humble. It draws too much attention to the thing of humility. So that's, again, if I'm thinking of, okay, how am I going to practice this thing of secrecy? I'm just going to share nothing about myself. I'm going to be this mysterious, humble person. That's just drawing too much attention to it, and you're missing the point again. It's like Winston Churchill, when he described one of his uh, political rivals, Clement Attlee, he said, he's a humble man with much to be humble about. And um, the point is, our, our, our job is not to, to, draw, uh, to, to, to draw attention to our humility. It is to draw attention to the other person and to just enjoy the conversation and be completely other-centered. All right. The antidote, friends, on the one hand, secrecy. Let's practice this discipline of secrecy. Do you guys have an idea what it is and how we can try and implement it this week? Secondly, self-forgetfulness. When we constantly think of ourselves, we try to get rid of it. Don't think more of ourselves. Don't think less of ourselves. We think of ourselves less. And that means that we'll be able to handle criticism with a smile. It's a constant struggle. You might do well today and tomorrow, and then on Wednesday, you're going to suck again. Um but be, be mindful of that so that we can get into that freedom because that's obviously what Jesus wants for us. He doesn't, give, he doesn't tell us these things so that he can be this sadist and like, oh, you guys must really suffer. Don't think of yourself. He wants to give us freedom on the other side of it. And thirdly, community. Why community? Here's the thing. I told you guys the two things that we really need, acceptance and to be known. And and illusion is to have the acceptance minus the being known. Then you just you just uh, uh, being an actor here. Rejection is when you are known and not accepted, and that is a horrible feeling of rejection. When you neither have acceptance and neither you are neither known, then you have isolation. But if you are known and accepted, that is called love. And as a community, we need to practice love. In other words, you need to show yourself, what's and all, to us, and we can look at you and say, welcome. Or you can look at me and say, I can look at you and say, I'm so glad you shared that with me. And you know what's going to happen? More often than not, you're going to hear a phrase from the other side that says, you too, wow, I thought I was the only one. That's what happens most of the time but in a community where we say we unconditionally accept and seek to know you, that is what we need to strive for. And you know why we need to strive for that? Because that is our relationship with Jesus. He knows us completely, warts and all, all of those horrible uh, desires that is at war within us, and he accepts us unconditionally. We are completely known And we are completely accepted. And if that melts into our hearts, then we will be in a community that will be able to practice that that ethic of the cross. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You are perfect. You You are the creator, Lord. You are the sustainer. You are the redeemer. And... And we are not. And despite our frailty and our weakness, Lord, and our our horrible egos that's constantly getting in the way, despite all of that, Lord, you look at us and you say you know us and you accept us and you love us unconditionally. And, Lord, we, we need to repent for the fact that more often than not, we care far more for what people think of us than what you think of us we are constantly just playing for the pavilions rather to you this audience of one lord i i pray that we will just take a small step in the direction of self-forgetfulness this morning lord that we will that we will know that the reason why you tell us to do these things in secrecy the reason why you tell us to forget ourselves is because at the other end of that lies freedom I pray that we will have something of that, Lord, that we can live within the kingdom of God with freedom. Forgive us, Lord, for where we mess it up over and over again. Thank you, Lord, for the kingdom and the fact that that you welcome us and invite us back in over and over again. I pray that we will be able to practice this discipline of secrecy, this discipline of self-forgetfulness. And Lord, I pray that we will be able to imitate you and your cross within community, that we will accept each other, that we will know each other the same way that you have accepted us and the same way that you know us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.